0: Speaking of Reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Fred Schenkelberg.
1: And good morning. This is Greg, Greg Hutchins. Hey,
0: Greg. Um, you know, we were kind of just chatting for a moment there, and I was mentioning a previous episode that we recorded on Monte Carlo and you were like, well, when did, would you use that? And I'm thinking when my first response, when, when would you not use it? Um, but it made me think of a a really, really good system and it was unique in that it was a part that was an aircraft company. They made aircraft jet aircraft. Mm not big ones, but more private ones. So one of the smaller companies, or not? I shouldn't say smaller company, but it's smaller aircraft. And the the process of creating an aircraft and getting it certified and airworthy, in the, in the, at least in the United States, and I don't, I'm not sure how widespread this is, is that the FAA requires that the owners of these aircraft, maintaining log, of what's called unscheduled removals. So say your navigation system fails and you have to remove it and put a new one in it, you got to record that and report it to the FAA. And But if you just want to upgrade it, you don't have to record that. That That's your choice. You can change your system, which I always thought was odd because then they, they lose the um, sensor data. The system was working for this period of time, but now you don't record it. So this aircraft company Mm -hmm. said, well, as a service to our operators of these aircraft, we'll give them a laptop that has all of the things that they have to report as unscheduled removals and we'll make it really easy for them to record it and it'll automatically come back to our servers and it'll get reported to FAA and it's all part of the package. You get the aircraft, you get this reporting system. And so they also did is that let's say that nav system failed and well it wasn't this company's nav system they bought one of many different navigation systems out there and stuck it into this particular model for this particular customer and they would send immediately that that unscheduled removal and usually it included why it was removed and what happened um, to the vendor to the person that designed and built and manufactured that system and so I thought, well, that's brilliant. What do you use this for? This is really good data. And it's because it was a service to meet a regulatory requirement. Mm-hmm. And then they said, well, every engineer in our team, when they're you know putting together an aircraft for a particular customer in a particular region of the world, we can look at, well, what's the, the probability of failure? Because we have all this time to failure data for all these different systems and where they operate and what kind of flights they typically do and all of those other stuff. So somebody comes up and says, Hey, we want to fly between uh, Miami and Houston on a weekly basis. Okay. Short hops in the South, blah, blah, blah. They plug all that stuff in and it comes up with, for the nav system saying, all right, if here's our three vendors, given this operation, these environmental conditions, here's the probability of failure for these three curves for you. And they can pick the ones that are most suitable for that use case. And they also used it to negotiate with the vendors for pricing for where their products are being used and not being used. And they can look for opportunities to make improvements. You know, hey, if you fix this a little bit because we are seeing more aircraft in the South and the heat that if you fix this, this, and this, then it'll be better. They used it for all kinds of reasons. Uh, primarily to fit out an aircraft with the, the appropriate components for it, its specifics of where it's used and how it's going to be used. Um, so it was that that service actually ended up being benefiting the customers, saying, All right, well, this actually helps make your aircraft more robust, more reliable over time. And so I've told that story. I ran into this company and I heard about the this, this system they were doing and everything else. And I've run into medical devices, I've run into all kinds of different products, different industries, and I explained that story. He says, why don't you gather information about how your customers use and don't use your products, build it into your system in some way that you get this data more directly and share it with your suppliers, your vendors. And it's almost been universal of, we don't want to do that. We don't, and I was like, why, why would you not want to have such powerful information? And that blew me away. So that that was the genesis of the, what I wanted to talk to you about today, Greg. What in the, I know you're gonna say it's risk-related, but. I am. How? <laughs> um,
1: you and I look at things, the same problem differently, Fred. <laughs> And I'm not saying for bad. No. Yeah, you, know, you know, sometimes that sort of catches you unaware. Sometimes it's an aha moment. Sometimes you resent it. I hear it in your little voice.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You Get know.
1: over it. Yeah, and that's my. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing with my dog. Get over it. Right. Move it's on. Right.
0: Yep. Uh,
1: so I'll give you a quick story. It's one of my major failures in life. Um. Four years ago we were retained by the FAA um, in DC to report to the board on the effectiveness of their inspectors. They've got a couple thousand. Mm-hmm. So an FAA inspectors, basic and again, FAA inspectors look at the carriers. Do they have a risk system? Do they have a quality system? Then they look at the manufacturing companies like Boeing or mm-hmm. and then you look at how the carriers operate. And then they look at maintenance facilities. That's yep. sort of the scope. Yep. And within that, they've got a bunch of CFR requirements, you know, federal requirements for compliance. And the feds were very, very worried that something's gonna happen. Now, why? Um, in Boeing and a lot of aircraft companies that manufacture products, where they use using sophisticated methods, like you mentioned, Monte Carlo, mm-hmm. um, The inspectors weren't looking at it. At the end of the day, the inspectors, FAA inspectors, would evaluate a maintenance facility or carrier based upon a risk chart, qualitative analysis. You know,
0: (laughs) red, yellow, green. (laughs)
1: green, green, Absolutely. And the FAA, the board at the you know at the highest level, uh, was really worried. Are they looking at the right things? Are they making the right decisions? And what are the risks to to the what do you want to call it enforcement mm-hmm. agency FAA? So I was retained, and I spent the better part of a year and a half attending very uh, attending meetings at uh, uh, you know the national transportation centers on the MIT campus. so every month I was flying over to MIT, going to these internal meetings and I was basically retained to be the software now analyst, and um, long story short, I missed MCAS. So Boeing had a system for their new airplanes. I went whatever it was, the seven thirty-seven Max.
0: Oh, this is the uh, angle of attack issue they're having. Yes, we're trying to overcorrect it or correct for it when it wasn't happening. It was a
1: software thing. And, you know, um, MCAS stands for maneuvering characteristics augmentation system. So there would be 25 inspectors, the top inspectors of the country. And we would look at all the attributes in terms of evaluating the carriers or the manufacturing or uh, maintenance facilities. And I was basically brought in to look at the whole system. And that's where you and I look at things differently. I try to look at them from uh, the enterprise level, the enforcement level, the compliance, and the enterprise system. You tend to look at it, which is fine, it's the same perspective from a product point of view. But between the enterprise point of view, looking at it, you know, enterprise system, and the, what do you want to call it, product transactional, There are many levels of differences. There is the sub-assembly, assembly, assembly, software, uh, process, you know, programmatic. There's a lot of levels. Yeah. But the point is, uh, at that time, from the enterprise point of view, the FAA gave a waiver to basically Boeing to self-confirm, self-certify. In other words, Boeing didn't send their their what do you want to call it their Inspectors there. Largely it was documentation. People, the inspectors would come in, look at the documentation like a like you mentioned, a Monte Carl Monte Carlo or some type of failure data. And quite often the inspectors, even though they had a technical background, would just simply wave their
0: hands and
1: Approve
0: it, right? Well, you know that, and that ties to something I heard long, long time ago. Is when I was at Hewlett Packard, it was one of the last factories that made circuit boards mm-hmm. or assembled circuit boards, I should say, for HP. And the general manager of it was, you know, I've got half of my team um, works with all the other vendors, and you know we're contracting with and working with and troubleshooting and selecting all of these other manufacturers. Mm-hmm. and I have to keep my factory here because they learn how and what a factory is and how it works and what are the trade-offs and what's the focuses and how to inspect it and everything else but once it. Once I lose my factory, the people that really know how a factory works are gonna go work in factories or you know, do something else, they're not gonna work at a place that's just the oversight of it or you know, pushing paper around to, to pick it because within a year we'll be out of date and we won't know what we're looking at. They're gonna put in new equipment, they're gonna have new techniques and processes that we're not familiar with, we're not intimate with, we don't know exactly how it works. And so I see that with the inspectors and it's not just the FAA, it's all kinds of them, is that it's one thing to actually do something and and create these systems and use the available tools and use the available information. It's another one to understand what in the world all that is and to know where and what to look at. So my transactional part is tying into that enterprise one where I think the FAA is really in a bind of how do they keep up to date? And that's a real challenge for all kinds of reasons. But the self-certification is a... Not an uncommon technique. Not, it's not just FAA and Boeing. It's, it, that's used in all kinds of industries going, well, you know what you're doing. You have a proven track record for a period of time. We trust you.
1: But what happens is the inspectors come in, look at the documentation. Uh, both parties wave their hands and they say, oh, great. Everything's okay. Yep. But the problem is the, you know, the company is doing all this fancy testing, all this failure analysis. But the reality is that the two or three people that come into a factory that might have two, three, four thousand 4,000 people, they don't have the time, the knowledge, the skills, the abilities to evaluate what's being done at the product level.
0: Well, yeah, that's very true. And it's also, I find that when I've run into inspectors or auditors in particular, <laughs> is they tend to want to measure or look at or, or review the things they're familiar with. And they are hesitant. A very few folks I have run into, and even when I'm doing the audits, is I tend to, I, I ran into a number of people that, and even when I was being taught how to do an audit, is, well, you don't want to embarrass them by finding something or asking questions that they don't want you to ask. Uh, well, I'm, at the end of the day, I needed to make a recommendation. Do we want to work with these folks or not? And I want to know where the skeletons are. I want to know where all the issues are. So I'm going to open, ask open-ended questions and follow up on stuff and, and track things. And and yeah, sometimes those are embarrassing questions, but I'd rather know about it now before we give them $10 million to make something for us that ends up costing us $100 million. It, I find too much of the, well, I don't want to embarrass them. I, I'm here to help. I'm here... I have to do my job, but if I don't look in those areas, then I don't have to create problems. You know, I still want them to give me donuts when I show up. (laughs) Or (laughs) (laughs) In our case, I missed MCAS. It was only one of a billion lines of code. Come on.
1: That's, that was one of the problems. It was only one line. Well, actually, it was
0: more than that, quite but a, a submodule time. of of a system. Yeah. But it, wasn't there a flag on that saying this is a new feature?
1: There was a flag, and people were tested, but the pilots were not ready for that. Yeah. So at the enterprise level, which is basically uh, Independence Avenue in DC, corporate, they all missed it. I missed it as an independent evaluator again, reporting up to the board. And of course, if we'd had that data and we hadn't understood it and it had been red flagged and escalated to us in our meetings at uh, in MIT, we would have gotten it. But well, we missed.
0: Well, that's a specific issue. Did you miss that specific issue? That wasn't your charter. Did you miss the process to identify issues like that? Which is a different miss.
1: We missed a lot of stuff.
0: Uh, we missed I, I'm not flying again this year. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean is that if you go in and do an audit, I, I am often looking for how do you know what you know and where are the gaps in your process such that you can find the issues. Whereas, as opposed to more of the transactional part, oh, we've got 8,000 systems, 7,000 of them we've been doing for years, here's the field data, those are simple. Um, these eight new ones, we, we ran these tasks. And that now gets into the weeds is, did you do the right things? Did you evaluate it right way? Did you assess the risk correctly? And I'd much rather go, did you ask the right questions? And I don't really care how many tests you pass. Did you run the right things to answer the right questions? Which is different than, oh, I missed that. It's, did you miss it because your process was incapable of finding it?
1: Let's go back to the enterprise level, which is the FAA on Independence Avenue in D.C. Mm-hmm. The critical issues there are transparency, trust, what's the threshold of reasonableness,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and what's the risk appetite? And we really, at the enterprise level, didn't have that well-defined because what we would do it, and I say we, because I was part of the team, actually, the, I was the independent observer of the team. Um, they didn't ask those questions. Uh, basically, they would rely upon the inspector who normally was double dipping. So they put in, they'd gone to an academy like you did, put in their 20 years, Flipped over to the Feds as a yep, GS 15 or whatever, and were double or triple dipping. Yep. So they were making a lot of money, and they had a lot of knowledge. Uh, they normally had gone through flight school, you know, you know, uh, whatever. Well, that means dil- they
0: went to the other academy, that not, not, not the real one. They went to the school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> That's well, just me. Well, <laughs> yeah, they had a better football team, but that doesn't make them a university. Uh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah, those those feelings are still there. Um, yeah. But the reality is we were looking at it at a high level and we would never, and inspectors too, would never look at a, um, what do you want to call it, a, a FEMA or a, um, a Weibull or any type of distribution. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would defer, and now I'm talking as an inspector, we would defer to the carrier or the maintenance facility to basically tell us what's wrong. You know, are there any issues? You know, has anything been escalated? Mm -hmm. Inspectors are only there maybe two, three days, maybe a week max, and they can't look at everything. So corporate, the enterprise, looks at and defers to the regions because the FAA is divided into regions,
0: mm-hmm.
1: they would look at the GS-15 or the SES, who is head of the region, who would look at the inspectors to make the final decision. And in terms of decision-making, meaning self-certifying or certifying facilities or factories, um, we did not have a rigorous decision-making process. <laughs> you know, Corporate, we didn't really understand what's going on with the carriers or the maintenance facilities in terms like reasonableness. Mm -hmm. How much time should an inspector spend? What should they be looking at? Is there, I mean, we would take the CFRs, you know, the federal regs, which sometimes were written 30, 40, 50 years ago.
0: (laughs) We're still flying aircraft from those eight days, though. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. And now, by the way, the big issue is, uh, and I'm being pulled into it, with AI systems, what is the threshold for reasonableness and risk appetite? Mm-hmm. All these systems are going to be ai very, very quickly within the next two years.
0: But it's it's still just, it's improving the information, yet how much training is the FAA putting into their their staff to stay abreast of this, to ask those kinds of questions, to... to improve their ability to ferret out the things that they should, have, should not be missed.
1: Which are the critical few not the insignificant many. Right. Um, they, <laughs> every agency I can say in department last week was notified by OMB to start preparing for that. Basically the same question, the, the question you asked, what are we gonna do with AI? How are we gonna build these systems? And by the way, they've got nine months to uh, identify the systems, not to identify the solution, in terms of what's reasonable, what's what's the risk appetite. So this is really, I mean, the questions we're really talking about, we really started with a transactional product-based tool, Monte Carlo, that's great. But the federal government is not going to look at Monte Carlo analysis. They're not going to look at the data sets. They're not going to look at that data. They're going to expect the maintenance facility to escalate and bring it up to their attention.
0: Yeah. It, you know, isn't there a management thing that's been around for a while that says, you know, people will do what you measure?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Probably 50 years. That's right.
0: Yeah. No. So if I'm not measuring how do you interpret a Weibel plot or how, when and why do you use a Monte Carlo or – you have the opportunity to get really better data from your systems and use that to yours and the society's and your customer's benefit. It's not that I want regulators to guide business decisions. Um, but when it comes to safety, then yeah, I you need to be on an even par. Um, and I, I see that, is a structure is not going there, but AI is another level of information or, or way to look at stuff. And it's not so much that it it's just, I look at it as another tool, yet how do you use it? And if the regulators aren't able to understand how and why it's used and how it fits into the system of assessing the risk of a particular system, it you're missing the boat. It doesn't matter whether they, Escalate something or not, it's what are they actually looking for?
1: Well, the, from the inspector's point of view, meaning the regulator, they're going to say, why does it matter that you've got a Monte Carlo or you're using this tool, HALT or whatever tool? Right. Why does it matter? How does it improve safety? How does it improve your decision making, not mine, but you?
0: Right. Yeah. The Those person. are the kinds of questions I would expect to be there. Instead of you know, did you sign off on this three times? You know, <laughs>
1: <what>? <laughs> well, unfortunately, what they're going to do is look at the sign-offs on the documentation. They're not yeah, going to look. That's what I one. mean.
0: Is like, you know, <laughs> good grief. Right. Well, it's not a problem I'm going to solve today. But the idea is that there's plenty of information available, and some of it is extremely valuable. Whether you're at transactional or enterprise level and it's about the s- systems we set in place of one gathering this type of information and then how do we use it? What do we do with it? It's I think your last comment, Greg, is you know, so what do you do with it? How is it u- how is it useful? What are the connections? Um I would that's add one the key part. Question. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I would just simply say three words. Does it matter?
0: Yeah, does it matter? Words, are yeah. you
1: what are you you know, if you're using this tool, whatever it is, and we started off with, you know, you're, you're talking about you and Chris or whoever, we're doing a Monte Carlo, and you're going into this big fancy stuff about taking different distributions and using an iterative process to solve it, you know, with blah blah blah. And I said, well, that's okay, way I'm,
0: cool though, Greg. Come on, it's, that's way cool. It's cool.
1: For you, does it, <laughs> does it really matter?
0: Yeah, I have plenty of cases where it really, really matters. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it makes a huge difference. It's as opposed to ignoring the information altogether and saying, well, I can't solve that problem and then walk away from it. That's where I run into problems. And that's it, it's probably a whole other, uh podcast on that one. Um, but anyway, it, yeah, we do look at things a bit differently. Yeah, we do. Yeah, With that, I'll leave you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, "Where in the world are these people talking about?" And I look at it this way. Well, let us know what what does make a difference for you. You know what what are the areas are. Um, you don't have to be in a regulated environment to have to work answer these kinds of questions. It's a business set of questions too. Is what I'm doing matter? Does it make a difference? Um, or if you're more like me, well, that's a way cool tool. I want to use that. And then I'll go find a problem to solve. That's a different problem. We'll talk about that later. But let us know. What are your thoughts in and in comments and in input on this thing? We'd love to hear from you. Head over to AscendoReliability.com. I feel a sneeze coming on, so I hope I make it through my clothes. And uh, you can find a couple of ways to get in touch with us there. Or... Uh, uh, Greg and I and the other hosts are available through LinkedIn or on our about pages so plenty of ways to get in touch and we always do appreciate hearing from you Uh, and especially if you got a comment or a question that we'd like to have us talk about that'd be awesome so with that Greg um, I still feel (laughs) that sneeze coming on so I think we better sign off quick
1: (laughs) All have a great one bye -bye. bye
0: Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation. If you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show, please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes, or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.